This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, this... No, 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 I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 211 of 20 Minute Tims. This is the flagship Monday podcast and I am joined by... Pair of podcasting superstars <laughs> in Stephen. Yes, I am. Yes, and Melly. Yes, and how are we doing this week, lads? Good, good. Or anybody have the coronavirus yet? Still so Not far yet. avoiding it. Hopefully, don't we, I was worried about it because I, I read the WHO. I'm, I'm obsessed with the coronavirus at the moment. <laughs> I read WHO, BBC, listen, the government guidelines, the NHS. I'm reading Reddit. I'm reading every single thing I can about how dangerous this. 4chan. In, in four, well, not that one. How dangerous <laughs> this influenza pandemic is. And then I tweeted about it today and at BigRab64 said, what are you moaning for? It's only the flu. So I've calmed, <laughs> I've calmed right down. Um, so you don't fault for going back on Twitter? I know, I know. It's more fault for going back on Twitter. I just want to go once before the world dies. Um, it's coming. Oh, it's for coming, sure. everyone. Like 55, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to reach his first 55, all the coronavirus. Yeah, Look, yeah we're still waiting for that uh, coronavirus Celic Dad crossover. Can he see the virus coming and all that? Uh, that will come. Aye, that will right. arrive. <laughs> um, a couple of games to talk about this week. Um, we have Celtic v Livingston and Celtic v St Mirren. Two interesting games to talk about in their own right. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, see if we can make them interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is the flagship podcast, if you like what we do on a weekly basis. Um, we have a Patreon service where you get to support the podcast and in return for that, you get extra content, extra podcasts. Oh, last week on the Patreon, Stephen, we had Melly at the match twice, Melly. Yes. Yep, double header again. Yep. Which is our match reaction podcast recorded at the game yes. right after the match. Um, for St Mirren and Livingston we also had Rankin at the reserves which is our roving reporter Tom Rankin he yeah, covers the right. reserve games for us so if you're interested to hear about Klamala or Soro or Arzani or anyone else that you may have forgotten about to see if they're getting on that's the one for you yep. that's the podcast for you and of course we had the Friday phone in on the treble tier officially and the best thing we do the best everyone's favourite it is a, basically a Q&A Ask us anything. Yeah, and we covered everything. It was two hours this time on Friday night. Uh, We spoke for two hours somehow. And it's basically an anything goes Q&A. As you say, we covered everything from... Gym trainer. Gym trainer. Quite a bit of gym trainer. (laughs) Uh, Pick your 
seven-a-side team of players to have scored against us in Europe. Yes. Everything from that to our favourite serials, it's yep. all covered. Formation stuff. So it's a big mix of that. Mixed bag of Celtic questions yes. and various other questions. And Patreon is structured very simply. If you would like to sample the Patreon and get a selection of what we do, there's a tier for that. It's around £2. Uh, and if you just want to come with us on the Patreon and get everything that we do, there's a tier for that that's about £5. Um, we have another tier, but that's sold out. Yeah, that's right. They no, all win. That's... No access to that one yet. So two tiers, very simple. Go and check them out at patreon.com slash 20minutetims. Melly. Yes. 2-2 against Livingston. You'd think that was a slog. Yep. It wasn't, though. It was a, a thoroughly enjoyable evening of football. But before we get on to that, how did you get <laughs> How did you get to this Only Macaroni Arena? I left Celtic Park at 3am on Wednesday morning. And you got, madman. Yes, walked all the way there. 32 what? miles, I think it was. What was that in aid of? Uh, For a laugh. <laughs> save, a, save a couple of quid in buses. <laughs> it was a walk and talk, a men's mental health charity with yeah. a, a friend, Aaron. He he got me involved with it. Well, he signed me up and I had to do it. But uh, obviously, <laughs> I wanted to do it. It was uh, one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Uh, it's very difficult. Obviously, you doubt yourself the whole way, but... I doubt myself after... After 45 minutes. I was doubting myself in the shower before I left, <laughs> but uh, managed to do it, got there and uh, met some great people along the way with some good stories. So. Yeah, well done, everyone involved. I can't imagine how... We struggle to get my talk in here for an hour for a podcast, <laughs> but know. God knows what we've talked about for 15 hours on the way to the game. You have to keep prodding him to wake him up. On there was a fair bit of hun bashing, to be fair. It always keeps the spirits up. Um, what was an extraordinary evening of football, Stephen? Saw Celtic drop points at Livingston and the, oh, you know I'm thinking bloody hell title race could be back on here yeah. um, Stephen Gerrard what did he say we blinked with one eye he blinked with two <laughs> extremely profound oh. Wordsworth there or... stop talking about blinking Stephen Gerrard I've never heard any one man latch on to this chat about blinking he's obviously thought to himself or he's maybe bounced it bounced it off people he knows maybe the wife or something like just like how good does this sound I'm going to go and hit out with this in the press just blinking chat see if that was Cassina or a foreign manager absolutely ridiculed and talk about sack and all that (laughs) also blinking with one eye that's winking it is winking (laughs) so we winked and Rangers blinked but it was an extraordinary evening of football as I said Stephen that saw Celtic increase the lead at the top of the table yeah, somehow uh, it was an eventful game. It's proven a bit of a, a tricky ground for us, the old, old spaghetti had oh, uh, these sure. days. Um, you know, there was obviously loads of chat about how they hadn't, Celtic hadn't won there or hadn't scored there for about 13 years or something. Now, there was only two games that yeah. they could have done that in a bit of a bit of a selective stat that. But it was a performance that Neil Lennon described as brilliant and outstanding afterwards. Look, yeah, a lot of people... I, on. I know a lot of people are saying this about Neil Lennon, Melly. You know, he's saying this after the games, he's bumming up such and such, he's saying they were terrific, even when their performances weren't. But I've got no problem with that because whatever he's doing is working because look at the other side and you don't just compare yourself to Rangers, but there is another way to do it and it's when you play poorly, you hammer your players and that's not getting a response evidently. No, obviously if he thought the players were poor, he could hammer them himself in the changing room and then he'll come in and say they're fantastic, but... I think he's he's a lot calmer this year. He's taking the more long term approach and looking at it like look at the form since we came back from January. We've been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. You're gonna drop points in a game. This was a difficult one and to drop points in it would have been disappointing. But to lose a game would have been a bad one because it was a chance to increase the lead, but it felt like more like a point gained 
And I've never seen a game like that where everybody was cheering at the end, having a laugh, and you increase your lead. It's very rare it happens because you yeah. rarely we get to play at the same time as Rangers, mm. but it's happened quite a lot in the last few weeks. But I was just thinking about with about 15 minutes to go, if you dare lose this game, after me walking all the way here and standing for a further hour and a half, I will not be happy. But they got the equaliser and it, it was deserved. And I don't know if he maybe means the performance was fantastic. It's maybe meaning like the, the attitude and the just the absolute desire to get something out of the yeah. game when it looked like it was going to be very difficult to break them down because Livingston defended like their lives depended on it. And I was saying to Stephen during the uh, might have actually been on the Friday phone in that I've I've never seen defending like that from a football team genuinely since the famous days of Walter Smith's anti football. <laughs> like yeah. they, they just you know they just weren't towards the the end, latter end of the game they just Livingston just weren't at all interested in playing any football at all. Just get it up the pitch, hoof it, hoof it. Hoof yeah, it. Well, in a, a way that's I mean commendable or at the very least understandable. Where they differ from. Walter Smith's Rangers is that they don't have the resources to play any other way. Rangers well, yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, Livingston just need to get every kind of point any which way they can, and they've done pretty well this season. So I don't have any problem with them defending with their lives, um, especially when they've got a lead against the the runaway champions elect. That, that's absolutely fair enough. It's I mean, up to Celtic to break first, that down. The first show yeah. champions elect. <laughs> it's uh, Livingston have won seven games in a row at home, so they know how to play there. They know what to do in that pitch. They're the form team in the league, apart from Celtic. Yeah, currently since they get back from January, and look, they, they are difficult to break down. Celtic maybe where the Masters of their own downfall gave away two sloppy goals but to, to keep going to the end and never give up it, it just shows you as a mark of champions it looked like we weren't going to get through it and then you end up a point getting that lead ahead it's just another crushing blow to them as well isn't it? it yes. Well it's part of this relentless campaign we have at the moment of winning games or, or well as it is getting points out of games um, that's the first time in 12 domestic games that Celtic have failed to win um, and were undefeated in 15 away games yeah. winning 14 and drawing only one um, so when Rangers are looking at that type of form and they're getting beaten by the likes of Hamilton and Hearts, mm. it, it, it must be so destroying for them. And, uh, and we must be part of the reason Celtic's performance, as I've said before, must be part of the reason that Celtic Rangers are crumbling. Um, were you happy, Melly, with the Celtic lineup? There was, as usual, there's a lot of discussion. You know, people are sort of people are softening a wee bit on the three-five-two, aren't they? Yeah, we can see why. It's, it's sometimes when they go up against Livingston. They are going to go and sit in and be. They went five at the back, and they're not as bad as Walters, the Walter Nacho. They <laughs> have five defenders at the back, but they don't play any defenders in midfield. Five like and a half, to. so it would be five and a half, and then guys like Whitaker in midfield, uh, midfield, and <laughs> right winger. Uh, so, but they sit with their stall, and look, fair enough, that's what they're going to do. But I just, I'm starting to switch on a bit. I think it's good if you can play Griffiths and Edward. But if you're not going to play Griffiths and Edward, I don't really see a point mm. in it. I, I agree with that. I thought um, the inclusion of Elian Ousey as a sort of second striker sort of floating about there, picking up space. I don't think he's effective as effective up front as Lee Griffiths. No, I, I was all for it recently as well. I thought, well, not at the expense of Griffiths, but you know, if you're wanting players to get rests here and there, then I've, I've got no issue with it if people are going to pick up knocks. But I did suggest that Elian Ousey might be an option there, just mm. based on the way he plays and the way he's up. He's not necessarily a traditional winger. I saw him as more of a kind of all-round forward, but 
he was pretty ineffective against Livingston, I thought. I just, I just like how it shows that the, the faith we have in Bayo and Clamalla that Elianusi gets shoehorned in. That's a But uh, with teams like Livingston and games like that, when it was, I thought it was all right to start with. We, we took the lead in the game and I thought once we got that, it was a good goal. Yeah. Maybe could have looked at the keeper and the centre-half with a woeful attempt at clearing. Uh, McGregor takes advantage of that good finish with the left, uh, the right foot. But after that, I thought we could be on for one here because it's usually we've went behind against Livingston in the last game and we struggled and gives these teams an excuse to sit in. But we were absolutely fine until they equalised. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. that goals change games, but that was such an avoidable goal. We know what Livingston are going to do. They're going to launch balls in every long throw that guy comes over and takes it, launches it in. See if you're Fraser Foster in this instance. Just punch it away. I don't hold, know, hold on, hold on. I don't know why he's going to catch that. You're right. See if you're Fraser Foster, punch it. See if you're the linesman of the F3. It's a foul throw. I don't get it. was any more. Yeah, well, I think Livingston had a, a spate of them in this game. I think they had about three or four in our half. They were all all foul throws. Remember, that's what Moritz Bauer was supposed to be all about when he came in. We've not seen a single no, one, I don't no. think. The, the foul throw, having sat through eight years of Mikel Lustig at Celtic Park, I'm not really that bothered about the foul throws. I think we've... we've uh, look, it all balances out. And now Nier Beaton is playing as a sort of right-sided centre-half. His throw-ins are ridiculous. Yeah, like like chest passes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not too bothered, but I think it was definitely a full throw. You're right, it deserves to be mentioned. His foot was off the ground. I know Alan McCoyce was making a play on the broadcast that his toe might have been just touching the oh, grass. Just, ah, come on. But sorry, Foster needs to be doing better than that. Yeah. Tom on um, Melee the Match made a very obvious but valid point. Fraser Foster's the biggest guy on the pitch and he's got arms to make him <laughs> even taller than he already is. You need to be coming out and claiming aye, that. Sure. You can't be looking around looking for a, a slight foul. You need to be either aye, just cleaning everybody out and claiming it for yourself or just punch it clear. Because Foster likes a punch. There's too many bodies in the way for him to catch that cleanly. Yeah, get, so. He was leaning over the guy to do it. So if you just get it away because we have seen it, we have struggled in games like this when teams start launching balls in it can be difficult and when the, those throws are going in they are difficult to defend because you can't you can't really well, you can't practice it but you don't expect it to come up all the time and yeah. it's really one of their their tactics but I just felt he could have done better and that's when the game sort of changed mm. in Livingston's favour because before that they had absolutely nothing and Celtic were looking very comfortable I don't want to brush over it too much because obviously we've jumped onto that goal but just the, the wee word on McGregor's goal was an absolute cracker yeah. with his right foot as well Um they get the guys in great goal scoring form. Um, it was double figures now. For oh yeah, he's thirteen, I think, for yeah. the season, including the one that will, will come up later on. Uh, it was a wee bit of fortune because I think it was Lawson attempted to clear it. He should have belted it straight up the pitch, but he just basically scuffed it into the path of McGregor, and he took a touch and, and scored. I thought I thought Lawson was a bit ropey in this game. He, he shared the right hand side with a name we all love to see. It was <laughs> Effie Ambrose back against the Celtic, um, but Lawson he gave McGregor another another chance later on in the game just passed it straight to him but I thought he was he was poor but Effie Ambrose to see him back because um, he was I know he was at Hibs for a while but he was Aye. kind of in the wilderness for a few months there I think was he without a club no he went he, to Derby or something and then was he went to Frank him. Lampard's Derby Frank Lampard's Derby and then was Frank didn't take him to Chelsea no, no I didn't because <laughs> uh, the transfer embargo how on earth <laughs> how on earth is Effie Ambrose only 31 years old Aye. that is absolutely unbelievable I thought he was I thought he was much much older than that Aye. he's been about for a long I think it was 31 when he signed for Celtic, <laughs> pretty much, but lovely to see him back. For one centre half to another, uh, 
Christopher Julian ended up in his arse before this ball ended up in the back of the net for Livingston's second goal. There's been a lot of talk about Christopher Julian, a lot of talk about Lyndon Dykes. No one seems to talk about Lyndon Dykes except when he plays for <laughs> Celtic. Um, in this game, Christopher Julian won 75% of his duels in this game. So Jules wins the duels again. Um, do you think that Lyndon Dykes got the better of Christopher Julian in this game. Uh, Melly, I don't. I don't think. I think it caused him a bit of a headache in the last game, but I think this game was a different story. Well, it's just going to be because the mistake led to the goal. We get in at half time, one each comes straight out, and you concede straight away. It was just a slip. That's what it was. It was Aye. just a slip. Look, it's a, a big mistake. It shouldn't have happened. It, but it was a slip, but he slipped after he'd already made a pretty questionable challenge. He just ran in. He just ran in with his arms up and just basically looked to impede Dykes and then fell over. His decision to get him to the slip wasn't the best one, I don't think. You can look at stats like that, but at the game, I thought he gave him an absolute torrid time. Yeah. Like, uh, Julian maybe gave as good as he got, and you can you can tell that in the stats. But Check the record. Yeah, well, you, you, well, no, just before you correct yourself, Amelia, I'm, I'm hasten to add that the, the stats don't tell the whole story. You know, that's just one particular stat that I pulled out. And I, at the game, I thought Dykes, he was a handful, but I definitely don't think. The point I was trying to make there was I don't think he was as much as a handful as he was last time around. Mm. And, and a lot of people have been saying, especially in the media, Lyndon Dykes, nobody in our Rangers should sign him, Celtics should say. I'm like, well, wait a minute. He had one really good game against Julian and he was okay in this game. But, it, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a repeat of what happened before. I think because Julian made other mistakes as well. Is no, that it's there his was, own worst enemy rather than yeah. Dykes Yeah, there was a few loose passes. There was one he tried to cushion down that went in, but... Lindendowski gives him a, a lot of problems. <laughs> I'll use that one again. Uh, he just seems to he have Julian's number. He gives him a good game and he was decent enough, wasn't he? Put, put us under pressure and that's exactly what they want because they're going to just have him up front and somebody playing off him and he got the goal set up and once they get that goal so early on, they'll just set their stall out and just defend for their lives and that's what they've done. It was up to Celtic to break them down. Just on Christopher Julian, I pulled up the jewels um, from Y Scout. So, as I said, that was 75% in that game. The Livingston game, the one that I was referring last time when we lost, he only won 23% of his jewels up against yeah. Livingston there. I suppose with, with percentages and things like that, only the key ones are ever going to be remembered. It's, yeah. like, it's like a goalkeeper who makes... 99 out of 100 passes but the one that leads directly to a goal is is going to be is going to negate all of that quite frankly Aye, and there's, I mean there's a lot you, I mean I pulled them all up and it seems to be you know Julian's worst games as far as the Jules one Hamilton away 30% Livingston away 20% Motherwell away 30% Hamilton away again 50% so it seems to be the smaller teams or the teams that he, he seems to have that tells me he maybe switches off you know yeah. he's mm. expecting an easier game than he gets um, do you rate Lyndon Dykes I mean, he's, he has a handful. He's better than Bio, is that what you're oh, about yeah, to say? I think he's almost certainly better than Bio. <laughs> is it, we, we talked about this in the Friday phone, and I, again, I'm not entirely serious there. I don't know much about Bio, other than that he's been at Celtic a year and not really done anything. But my point on the phone in was that, can you picture Bio putting in that performance against anyone? Yeah, no, I mean, no, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know what you're saying, no, I can't picture but that. But Diggs is, is all right. I only ever see him against Celtic, and he seems to... He seems to put in, you know, pretty fairly competent performances against it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing out to buy him. I, li- I like that he's a bit of a blunt instrument. He runs about bullying people, and instantly, instantly, every journalist in the country goes, "Good fit for Rangers." Well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're not wrong. I think it's a, it's an absolute set. He'll probably end up at Rangers at some point. I know the was it Rennie Mullenstein was at the game. He was the Australian assistant manager. Yes, uh, who, who was doing watching him. So uh, maybe the 
the Scottish media's dream of him turning out for Scotland, despite the fact he's Australian. We'll be <laughs> over soon. A final thing on Julian. Yeah, it was it was a little bit all over the place. Not towards with regards to Jules. Uh, Jules is Jules um, with Dykes. Um, but as I said, when when Melly was making the point, he was his own worst enemy at yeah. times. It was his passing that was a problem. And again, you can see him getting really, really frustrated with himself, just letting it go to his head, getting overly emotional. It's, the, the first time we played against Livingston, it wasn't long in, at the club or in the country. You, you would make allowances for that. Yeah. You, you maybe in France, you maybe don't expect that strikers will get away with the same level of physicality that they do in Scotland at times. Right, fine. I'm not speaking from experience there. What I'm doing is trying to give them allowances, but at the same time, going to learn mm. f- for next time because it's it's a pattern that's emerging with them. Now we sat here, Jamie, you weren't here last week, but Melly and I spoke him up as an absolutely great signing, which I still believe this one game doesn't change that. I think he's been a tremendous signing for Celtic overall, but there's a pattern emerging here with him losing the head, not playing badly, not performing badly, but losing the head against strikers who give him who give him a physical problem. The pass that Melly referred to earlier where he tried to cushion it out to the right and um, someone was just on it and, and freed Dykes through. They should have scored from that and at that point it would have been 3-1 and Celtic are probably completely out of the game. Dykes wasted the chance, put it over the bar. There was a moment late on as well where, again, Julian, we spoke about it last week with Jozo, head's gone, head's gone. He just, he'd rather be anywhere else than on that pitch at the moment. He passed the ball out to Ayer, who was playing left centre half. Well beyond them, terrible pass, the whole place just groaned, passed it well beyond Ayer. Ayer then chased out to the touchline, retrieved the ball, and instead of playing it down the left, like any other player would have, Ayer does the thing where he's comically right-footed, so he turns infield, mm. holds the ball for five seconds and passes it straight back to Julian. And I'm thinking, we're chasing a goal here? Like, how long has just been wasted by the two of them Aye, just knocking the ball aimlessly? side-to-side yeah. side passes. And it's, it's not even just the fact that side-to-side, side. there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, it's just that it's inept at that point. Like, I'm, I don't want to focus too much on it because ultimately it was a positive result in a difficult game, but there, there was a problem that night. The two of them have been in pretty you know, questionable form yeah. recently. See, on the Julian, where you're saying when he's having a game like that, again, like Jojo, just take him off because... No. Yeah. Julie, take Julian off? Yeah. Who would you put, Who would you have played then if you take Julian off against London Dykes? Well, for all the praise we've maybe given Neil Lennon recently, the subs were absolutely mental. <laughs> on Wednesday. Right, hold on, hold on. I'm not letting you... Who would you have taken off? Who would you, who would I'd you have put taken on? Julian off and I'd have went a back four, I'd have left Greg Taylor or I'd put Johnny Hayes on. So you go Frimpong on, put right. Forrest on the right, Elianusi on the left, Edward up front, and then you can have Brown, Christie, McGregor. Then the thing with the free not five... Not having that instantly. Uh, we'll move on for expediency, but I'm not, I'm not having that. Take Julian off. Right, well, take him off and then you've got two been... centre-halves still. Neil Beaton can play with the ball. Because Ayer if, can play I, with the okay. ball and they've got one up front. We we finished that game with three centre-halves on the pitch against one striker. Well, I, yeah. I, 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 know, I know if we don't need that, but what, no, what I'm saying is I agree that if you the, the substitutions were bizarre. Um, I thought Frimpong done really well when he came on. Got a lot of yards, never completed across the whole time at... Very rarely did he beat the first man. But back to the Julian point, I don't know if taking Julian off solves the problem though, because if if Lyndon Dykes has given Julian a hard time, then leaving one of your lesser centre halves up against Julian eh, up against Lyndon Dykes, I don't think I don't think necessarily solves it. I, I think what you do is you you get Julian in at half time, you give him a talking to, and then you hope that Julian has a better game or you ask people to help him out. But I just don't think taking your best centre half off because he's having a bad game against a 
Lyndon Dykes. I don't think it's I don't think it solves the problem. Well, the way I look at it is the guy's having a bad game, and it's not as if Dykes is rinsing him and skinning him. He's making bad passes. He's putting balls out the park. His head was gone. So if we just dropped into a back four, and I just think the the substitutions were all wrong because he took off a left back and put on a right back, which meant Forrest had to go over to the other side, which made no sense in a. Well, how, how do you two. think Taylor was doing? Because a lot of discussion about Taylor, Melly, he wasn't, he wasn't doing very well. He wasn't getting forward. But uh, I still think when it got to the second half, we're 2-1 down. We should have went four at the back, put Frimpong on, maybe brought on Hayes, even though I'm not a big fan. We could have left Beaton and Ayer in there. And then Forrest and Frimpong can go up the left. Hayes and uh, Elianus, can go up the right and double up on them. Because we were getting out wide time and time again. And putting... Getting crosses blocked, whereas if they've got five at the back and four in mid across the midfield, if you go a wing back and a winger, then we can double up, we can play one twos, we can get on the outside, Forrest on his proper side, uh, Frimpong on the proper side, but we didn't, we just had a wing backs one one on two against them, yeah. and then we're crossing balls into the box. That that's not going to work against Livingston. We need to get in, play in to get one twos and get cutbacks because Griffiths when he came on and Edward that's not the game. We really needed a big, tall striker there. But it's funny you should mention that because, Stephen, I saw a lot of people on the internet and on Twitter saying that, you know, we need to be playing through the middle. You need more penetration through the middle. I personally was looking at the game thinking, you're trying to break through almost an impenetrable wall of yellow yeah. in the middle there, getting it out wide and exploiting these areas and moving it side to side is the way to do it. And ultimately, that's where the goal came from. It came from Edward penetrating down the left. Do you think Neil Lennon's a tactical approach to this game? There's been a huge amount of discussion on this one, yeah. following Copenhagen, following this game. What did you make of Neil Lennon's tactical approach to this game and particular substitutions? I think the substitutions were, were strange, as Melly has made brief mention of. I don't think the Forrest thing made sense. I don't think putting him out on the left uh, really worked because Forrest's natural predilection when he's out there is to cut inside. And when you've cut inside, you're already just turning into a, a brick, a yellow wall of players yeah. that you're just making it even more congested. Ayer was guilty of it a couple of times as well. When he ran forward, he was basically just running you know, from the inside, from the middle of the pitch, out into the kind of inside right channel. Yeah, again, he's just closed down by three or four players. You're you're basically just inviting pressure onto you. I don't think Forrest made any sense out in the left. I, uh, as much as I don't, I haven't previously rated him. I thought Hayes in this specific circumstance probably made more sense than, yeah. than Forrest. Before before we move on, I, I didn't really um, give my give my tuppence on the on the Julian thing. I, I can see both of your your points, but I think it's just because it's a centre half and it's a lesser seen move to take one of those off that, that you think oh well, I don't know I'm not really sure about that because if it was a full back getting just beaten time and time again like, and just not really contributing to the game and looking as if he was you know, dead on his feet you'd probably just take him off whereas we're, we're a bit more kind of sensitive to taking a centre half off because mm. that looks like a defeat that looks well, like and, an ambition of finishing a game where you you need to get a goal or oh, we, we got the goal but finishing a game where you need to get a goal with three centre halves on the pitch doesn't make sense to me no well, Brown, that's, yeah. well that's that's what I was about to say it's quite different doing that though if you're going to take off take off Julian and change the shape of the whole team and give yourself an extra man up front then do that but just to say he's having a bad game I'm going to take him off entirely that, and that, change the whole that is why I would have done it because they were they weren't they were just launching balls up towards yeah. the end. And yeah, like that's what they need to do. But Beaton and I were getting forward and making passes. If you take Julian off, you're cutting out somebody making mistakes, and then you can go Griffiths and uh, Edward up front. You can have Rogic in behind, and then you can have wide players as well. Whereas with the three centre halves, 
you're just crowding that central area because Beaton was trying to play in this sort of midfield right backy sort of role and it just mm. it just wasn't yeah. working whereas we could have done with more forward thinking players. I anyway, think someone th- take the steering wheel back off me because I diverted us back to the past <laughs> there. Back on track. It's the it's the forest thing, I think um the forest thing you're right. I think that was a peculiar one, especially when trusted lieutenant quotes uh, Johnny Hayes yeah. was on the bench there. Um it's rare that I would call for that, but yeah. I just think in this specific circumstance, if you if you want someone to maybe get to the byline, that's it. Ultimately he's not really known for the most accurate crosses, but if you can get to the byline, maybe bypass that line and get cutbacks and tap ins, you know, you know I'm always looking for those. But it wasn't to be on the night. We didn't see that, but I'm just I'm trying to just explore kind of different ideas we could maybe have gone with. But it's funny. It's quite good this in hindsight. I was thinking about talk, thinking about this, you know, after the game and all the, all the tactics stuff and all the the you know there's a there's a big tactics community. There's a big analytics community out there, and ultimately Celtic didn't win the game. Bods, bods, yeah. And we've got our own. We do a bit of that, and it's quite easy, you know, after the game. To say, oh, you should have done X, you should have done Y, because... Don't, don't say that, that's, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. Here, look at, look at this. But what I try and do sometimes is when I'm watching the game is think, well, what was the rationale behind that? And that Forest one, I, like you say, it mm. feels like it was to get up to the byline. Like Greg Taylor, Neil Lennon said it himself, good player just needs to understand how to attack. So you're like, right, well, James Forrest. But, but by this point, James Forrest had already played the whole game yeah. you know he's not Johnny Hayes at that point if you're looking for someone to get you distance and up the pitch and all that on the left hand side so the James Forrest one was a peculiar one I can't understand but other inclusions like Brown McGregor and all this I, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely fine um, I know the sort of McGregor's position in midfield has been debated a lot recently mm. people want him playing at the sort of top end in the in the 10 role rather than where he's playing at the moment oh that, well not for me Jeff no yeah. not not for me either but a lot of people that's something that was that was discussed Roger came on for Elianusi um, Elianusi a bit ineffective in recent yeah, weeks hasn't he yeah. in recent weeks I'm talking about not just that game yeah it was a uh... Would you buy him? Is what I'm asking in a roundabout way. <laughs> oh yeah, is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Ah, yeah, I'm saying, would you buy him? I'd buy him. Would I'd you? Buy him. I know you two, and I was glad I wasn't on because we had been arguing on Friday night. You two said you wouldn't buy him. No, no, uh, I didn't. I didn't say that. I said no, that. Well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we have to, we have to, we have to add some order here. Yes. If he was your blue chip, if he was your Julian, your Edward, your nine million pound outlay, if he was your main signing next summer, would you be happy with that? Oh no, because. Well, it probably will be because that's how Celtic do it off. We spent that money on Edward, you're not getting any more like we did the other year. But this is, this is a problem of bringing these guys in on loan. You rely on them, they become part of your team, but then you have to go out and buy them then, and then you need to improve the rest of the team. Mm. Now, that would be a problem if we didn't have 40 million bucks in the bank, but <laughs> I think he's a good player. He's proved that before. He's just been unlucky with injuries, and it's going to be very hard to get a guy better than him. Very difficult. Mm, You'll maybe true. get yeah. somebody who'll play more games. I don't think he's really been injured previously in his career, so it might be just a bad one. Don't forget, this guy was rushed back, probably well, not wanting to yeah. play in that game, and it's set him back. So it's not the time to make the decision. The decision should be made in May when he's maybe had a run of games or yeah. he's got back into the team. Because this guy, remember we were talking about him, can't wait to see him against Rangers because he'll rip them apart. He scored like eight goals in the first couple of months he was playing. He, he is and will be a quality player for us if he can get on the pitch. Yeah. So he comes off. Rogic comes on. Um, I am cooling on Rogic a wee bit. In fact, I was moaning in the Discord um, that we've got going on. I was moaning about Roger's contribution. I called him a luxury. Oh. Um, he, he doesn't. He, he just doesn't seem to get involved in the rough and tumble. 
but he does sort of spring out of the, he sort of springs out of the ground and produces a little one two and then <laughs> disappears the back there, there. he made a springing out of the ground gesture there that's what he does sort of springs out the ground and like a kangaroo like does the does, <laughs> does an old one two and then disappears back into the ground again um, but he, he cropped up and he scored yet another very very important goal Tom Rogic is the typical player what is that phrase Stephen a scorer of great goals but not a great goal scorer he, yeah, he scored yeah. so many important goals for us Tom oh, Rogic yeah. and this is another one an immeasurable contribution over the years. I know what you're, you're meaning about uh, maybe not having the consistency necessarily these days, but yeah. he's got a lot of competition in that position. But as I said there, just an immeasurable contribution in terms of huge goals over the years. And this, this one ultimately proved not to be as important as you might have thought because of you know, other events on the night, but still a big, big goal to be getting. You don't want to be suffering any kind of defeat at this stage of the season letting Rangers get any kind of Absolutely week on their hope you don't worry about anything so to pull back as Melly said the mark of champions earlier on getting a goal at that stage of the game and from Tom Rogic who hadn't really contributed a whole lot after coming off the bench at that point big big moment it's a difficult game for him to come into yeah, because yeah. they're just sitting and there's going to be no space around the edge of the box and that's where he likes to play but as you said there was a couple of times Edward got in and a lovely turn, a lovely touch with his left foot away and he get, goes to take the shot with his left foot, finally. <laughs> and it is a great block by a defender that just takes it round the post. I thought that was the big chance that we'd maybe yeah. missed. It just seemed to be a lot of crosses in and it just they were from bodies in the way, clearing everything, we were crossing in balls. And look, Griffiths and Edward's good up front, but sometimes you need somebody with a bit more physicality. We we're crying out for it in January. Went and bought the complete opposite striker, and it's not worked out that way. But when we get that goal, it was a sweet relief because we obviously heard Rangers were getting beat. The crowd was, because you heard Rangers were getting beat, we were getting beat again. It got the crowd going, yeah. it got the crowd behind us, and we obviously had more and more fans in the stadium. It was a, it was good getting that goal. It was an absolute relief. I was like, please don't do this. Please just get the goal. And uh, it was just sweet relief. But Rogic, he stepped up with the goal. And again, that's Edward. Great ball in. Just composure on the ball. Lays it in. And Rogic can barely miss. And it's no less than we deserve. We completely deserved at least a point. It, yeah. was, it was a battling performance. And we had to dig in. We had to get physical. And we'd done that. Don't I still don't think we gave ourselves the right chances. I don't think taking Christie off was the right move. Mm. Not sure about taking Elie Nussi off. I just think the subs really hindered us in that game. Hmm. The chat during this game was that uh, it was, as I said earlier, it was the first time anyone had scored for Celtic at the, the Spaghetti ad. Previously not known as the Spaghetti ad, right enough. Who, inv- who invented that, Stephen? <laughs> like, he's teeing it up into me. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's dropped it a few times. Okay, we'll ask. World, you're welcome for that pattern, by the <laughs> way. Check the record, bud. We were the first people to say that pattern in 2015, I think we were hitting out with Spaghetti ad. <laughs> but anyway, the, it was the first goal that anyone had scored. Again, it was only over two games because Livingston went in the league, but it was... Um, 13 years since anyone had scored there for Celtic and the last person to do so was Jan Vennegan of Hessling. I went back and watched that goal to see if it was as good as I remember it. It was an absolute beauty. It's a guy who is mainly known for his headers, you know, against the last minute against Rangers and all that, but 
this this was an absolute cracker. He was played in good like feet for a, a big man. Yeah, good feet for a big man. He was played <laughs> in the kind of inside right channel, and he just absolutely drills it low and hard that right across the keeper into the bottom corner. It's an absolute cracker. An underrated gem. Have a go with that one. Celtic five, Saint Mirren nil. No. Uh, I listened to Melee at the match, not recorded in the car. Recorded the was that what did you say? It wasn't even under the tunnel. Yeah, under that through? kind of tunnel at the back of the North Stand. We were Aye. getting a few weird looks with people walking past. Right, Tur- quite close to the horses. Actually, see where they stand. Yeah, just kind of recorded right next to them. Absolutely terrific. I liked that the background noise. Um, I thought it added something to the podcast. Yeah. Melly, did you said on the podcast, Melly, you were hoping for a little five nil. Stephen, you said you wanted someone to get a pasting. Yeah. So your dreams must have been fulfilled. Yeah, pretty much. I, I said uh, before the game, just on our way into the stadium, that I was starting to get that feeling. Now it's a it's a big football cliche. People say it all the time. You know what? Celtic. Somebody's going to be the end of doing of Celtic mm. one of these days. We hadn't really dealt out a proper pasting since maybe Hearts. I think there was yeah. uh, Hearts at home was a, a bit of a doing um, quite recently. But I felt like you know, Celtic, if they click into gear, uh, they could hand out a right doing here. Turns out one of those things happened and the other didn't. I don't think Celtic did fully click into gear, but they didn't have to because no. they still easily, easily swept aside St Mirren on the day. Yeah, when we were at the game, once the first goal went in, you were, that's it. No, that's I, it, I, because St Mirren had set their stall out and they were so bad. How are they not bottom of the table? Because I, they, I they, don't they, know. they are worse than Hamilton and Hearts, that, 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 that performance. Utterly pathetic. I've never seen defending well, like it. You better talk about the defending. <laughs> there has been some bad performances, but individually, like, how do you forget you can kick a ball? Like, there was times <laughs> when I was like, you said there was one guy just played it behind a guy, and me and you got frustrated. Like, just pass to the guy, just pass it in front of him. I felt or else like the was... ball was coming at a centre half, and he was just booting it away. Like, mate, there's nobody on you. Just take a touch. It was like, see if you're playing fives or whatever, and you know all my references are to do with five yeah. sides. It's all, it's all I know. Uh, but it was like somebody turns up last minute. They're filled in for somebody. They're not very good. They're trying their hardest, and they pl- like play a bad pass. You're like, mate. That was good, right? But next time, play it in front of him. It's so funny you, get, you should mention that. That's yeah. exactly what i done. I played sevens last right. week for the first time in a long time. And did I know hit a square ball right across the goal <laughs> and someone nearly <laughs> ran in and scored? And he's looking at me, I'm like, I'm not normally this bad, guys. I'm not normally like this. Speaking of the Hearts game, that, that, uh, there was after that game, the podcast we recorded, I said that John Suter, who played a free kick so bad, I was offended by it. <laughs> and it was the same as this. I was, I was like groaning at the opposition. Yeah. Whereas normally you'd be like laughing or whatever, but I felt that me and Melly were sitting there, we felt as if we were coaching a bunch of kids through it. We're like standing up going, oh, pl- control the ball, lads. The <laughs> defendant, some of the defender on show here, Stephen, was so bad. I'm going to think about it every three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm just going to, I'm going to be watching games at Celtic Park. I'm going to go, huh, mine's at Mermor. Pish. <laughs> Um, I thought that boy at the back was it um, McCarthy is a 21 year old Irish centre half I thought he was good under the circumstances I think he kind of held things together as much as he could played a few decent passes but other than that I thought it was a, a very inept performance so Bika had a couple of nice wee bits of skill made a chance for him very late on when the game was already gone and I think Celtic had probably you know won I never said one mind in the dressing room, but that doesn't make sense at all. Now you say you've got one eye on something. I never said the one mind. doesn't make any sense at all, but they, I feel like Celtic were kind of winding down and they got a chance, a kind of half chance towards the end. But other than that, it was it was like a training exercise yeah. for Celtic at times. First goal, Lee Griffiths, an example of some pretty poor defending. St Mirren seemed intent, mainly on standing off Celtic, even like Edward in the box. People were quite cautious, got out to close them. 
chips a wee bolt at the back post. Lee Griffiths runs off his guy like he's not there. Uh, great, great wee Lee Griffiths finish. It was a delicious ball, but when you look at the goal from St Mirren's point of view, obviously we prefer the Celtic point of view. Pinpoint from Edward, absolute peach, decent yeah. finish from Griffiths coming in, but. I was convinced it was going to be offside. It was it's so, so easy. static. Yeah. It was so easy that I thought there's no way that counts because uh, immediately from our angle, obviously it's quite difficult to tell because it's basically right on the halfway line. I looked immediately at the linesman thinking, oh, it's definitely going to get... Nothing is that easy, surely, without there being a catch. But sure nope, is, it mate. was. <laughs> That's the, uh, two strikers combining with about seven guys around them, none of them marking either. Absolute pathetic. Great finish in the end. And when the, for the second goal... Uh, that was Griffith's first goal for, against St Mirren for pretty much exactly three years uh, I remember it was Celtic were 1-0 down at half time and come back to beat them 4-1 in the cup I think it was uh, it was under Jack Ross wasn't yeah it? 2017 yeah. Uh, the second goal was another one but when you say Rogic is a luxury player that's what you get from him in that goal lovely wee touch into Griffiths decent finish and then we go in at half time 2-0 up and it's game set and match then Celtic can they can do what they want after that because they're not going to come out it Even was, before that, there was a chance that immediately after Griffiths had got that back post chance and just stuck it away, there was one where Brown lifted the ball over to Forrest and ran uh-huh. a, a rare headed chance for Forrest that he basically ran in and just sort of headed it straight to the keeper. But how much did he definitely have his eyes closed? <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about you're talking about Roderick being the rugby player. He had a good he had a good shot just before he, he played Griffiths through. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. That we just sprung out the ground to play the wee one two and then just disappears back into the game. It was a lovely goal that because. Um, Prior to that, Lee Griffiths had been hanging back quite a bit. When Celtic were approaching the box, he would pull out towards the edge of the box and hang back, waiting for either cutbacks or maybe second balls. The problem with that was prior to that, he'd wasted a couple of chances by... The the moves would break down when it came to Griffiths because he would shoot for no reason. You're just thinking, Lee, there's, there's no need for that. We're going to carve them open. Don't be shooting for 25 yards. It doesn't matter. Don't get don't get carried away here. He did that a couple of times and I thought, oh, he's going to have one of those games, isn't he? But no, no, he certainly didn't. But on this occasion, he hung back again and a, a really smart move. And then when he received the ball, what the defenders did, they didn't give him the chance to shoot from distance. They they rushed onto him and he just slalomed past two of them, just skipped past them as if they weren't there, played the one 2 Rogic. And the finish was really nice. Keeper got a wee hand on it, but it didn't matter. That was ter- it was terrific. Third goal, Edward got himself onto the score sheet. Just a bigger boy, wasn't he? Just oh. pulled that boy off, <laughs> out my way and finish. Lovely finish that. But- Edward just seemed to give, when I was watching the goal back, Edward just seemed to give the guy just the slightest of wee turn and then if we know he's like he's three yards off him, yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, he maybe did he not realise how close he was to the goal there? Because all he done was just he just basically stepped off Edward and goes, okay, mate, shoot, you can't do that, Johnson <laughs> Edward. Very very easy. Just a word on Edward. Obviously, we've done it to death all season. It's very difficult to talk about Edward and doing the justice that he deserves. Very important in the, the equalising goal for Livingston and a, a, a dead easy men against boys. This this or man against boys. It was this goal. But the consistency this season has been absolutely unbelievable. It's a point we've made before, but last season, obviously a wee bit younger, he's, he's developing as a player. He would go quite long periods without scoring last season, but he would always chip in with him here and there. Longest he's gone this season is three consecutive appearances all season without Edward. scoring. Yeah, and one of those was Lazio away. You know, the Celtic's most difficult away fixture in years. Aye, and he set a, up the goal. A league so. goal every 98 minutes. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost, won a, almost won a match yeah, in the league. playing for Rangers, I'd get one a match with him at a time. <laughs> <there yet. laughs> uh, Lee Griffiths got his third goal and sealed his hat-trick at the risk of repeating ourselves. But let's just put a pin in it. Lee Griffiths is back. 
back from out of retirement. He <laughs> staves off retirement for another week. His, yeah. his form is pretty electric. Lee Griffiths, Neil Lennon rather says Lee Griffiths has got some way to go or a little bit to go to get back to his absolute best. When was the last time Lee Griffiths scored the hat trick? I was looking for it, Melly. Was it when we beat Hamilton 8 1? Yeah, January 2016. 2016. Was that, I, think. I was at that game, yeah. It was a game. <laughs> Carlton Cole came on in that game. Lee Griffiths now Damien leads. Brophy celebrated his goal, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, Lee Griffiths now leads the Premiership era for hat tricks, having scored five. That's more than anybody else in the Scottish Premiership, as it is now. It was another goal from that position we've just spoken about as well, where he just hangs back yeah. to the kind of edge of the box and just this time. But the opposite happened. Defenders gave him far too much space and he basically just picked his spot. That's the one position in the pitch. Sometimes Lee Griffiths would be out in the right of the box and his shots can, from there can be a wee bit wild, but you don't want to be giving him shots from that just inside, just outside the D on the left of the box. You don't want to be... Like, he's, I've seen it, I've seen it so many times from Griffiths. Lennon described it as you know, signature Griffiths yeah. after yeah. the game and that's exactly what it was. Um, El Hamed also made his return uh, spent a lot of time Lovely in the side yeah. injured eye good to see him back sort of one of these players that you sort of I was, I'm beginning to forget how good he is so it'd be good to see him get back up to speed fling him in for Ibrox not, <laughs> not a chance uh, involved in the penalty obviously that's what I was about yep. to say involved in the penalty Callum McGregor steps up slots it into the back of the net game set and match Selic yep uh, for it's 5-0 I don't, as Stephen said, I don't think Celtic really got out of second gear. But the thing I liked him watching the the highlights again, most of the chances we got, we scored. We were so clinical, so ruthless that St Mirren didn't have a hope in that game. Once we get the first goal, second goal, every time we were creating a good chance, we buried it, and it was brilliant to see because it wasn't one of those games where we missed chance after chance mm. and got the five. There was maybe six or seven good chances, and we buried five of them. Deservedly won it, and it's just another wee confidence booster before next week, isn't it? Last time St Mirren managed a point at Celtic Park was a 1-1 draw in December 2007 with Derek Steve Riordan. Steve scored for St Mirren. Yes. Derek Riordan scored an 85th minute equaliser, I think it was. I watched that in Harvey's in Maryhill Road. Yeah. yeah. Listen to this for a back five in this game, though. Right, go for it. Mark Brown. <laughs> Honestly, man, what? <laughs> and now we were talking earlier about uh, Watanaccio and his, his centre-halves and full-back positions like, he's a back four Caldwell Presley McManus and OD oh dear more how, like how, how, how can you even make sense of that who was where well I'll OD tell you OD and Caldwell would have been full-backs oh, oh, right oh I could eyes marauding how do you let in a goal to St Mirren it was a peach of a goal it was from miles yeah. out swashbuckling full-backs eh? who was, who was, so that must have been Gordon Stratton's yes, tenure yeah. yes I, will, uh, I, I just don't think I can forgive well, I can forgive Gordon Strachan I like Gordon Strachan but one thing that annoyed me at the time was how many ex-Rangers players he signed in like Mark <laughs> Brown yeah. I think Mark Brown had something like the most clean sheets in the league or something at the time was available on a free transfer so we took him and then Stephen Presley is a quote right good pro so was it not something him. like most saves in the league something like that think, oh, I plays for a crap team yeah <laughs> it was some weird yeah. start that ended up in that anyway yeah Gordon Strachan a lot to thank the man for but not signing those hands yep. oh, I've got something to thank him for as well what's that well I met him on Wednesday, as soon as I got to the outside Almond Vale Stadium, he came out. Sorry, the what? Uh, Almond Vale, mate, that's what I call it. <laughs> uh, he came out and I uh, got a photo with him and I was telling him what we'd done. He said, he was in crutches, he said, oh, maybe you need these more than me. Took a photo, had a wee chat and then 
about five minutes later, his wife came back and said, "There, that's from that's from God, and that's all he's got on him. Just now, he gave us some money for what the was charity. Nine hundred pounds, a lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he's got. Ten grand in fifties. Sure, he's got a few quid. It was a uh, sixteen pound ninety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so cheeky, isn't he? <laughs> um, that's what, that's what a nice touch. Yeah, that's a nice touch. What was up with him anyway? Why is he in crutches? I don't know, maybe it's a wee operation. A mystery injury. Must have done his cruciates. Yeah, yeah. Must have, he's still at it. He's still, kick, he's still kicking up. He does that walking football probably. I wouldn't age. be surprised. He played till he was in his 40s, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he still had done the fives. Did you ask him to come on the podcast? Yes. What did he say? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> What's our podcast? <laughs> um, so that's enough of that. That's enough of that. That's enough of that. Celtic have got a really important game on the horizon as it stands just now. Celtic are 13 points clear at the top of the league with eight yeah. games to go. The Rangers oh. are back to winning ways with a thumping win, a 1-0 win over Ross County. Yeah, a sclaffing at yeah. the back of the net. Ryan Kent scored that. Yeah. Up to seven league goals, a million pound a goal. <laughs> um, but Celtic do, all joking aside, Rangers <laughs> have played Celtic three times this season and Rangers have been, we're man, man enough to admit it in this podcast, Rangers have been the better side twice, mm, coming yeah. away with one victory, Celtic came away with a cup and Celtic won at Ibrox. This could be a tough game. I think, once again, this Rangers team have the ability to show up. They showed up against Braga over two over two legs not so long ago. I'm not sure showed up's the right word. They like being the underdog, remember? Well, they like well, they like being the underdog. You're right, Melly. Suits them better. Well, they they'll probably go into this game again feeling the underdog. The point the yeah, point I'm getting the... to is write them off. I don't think writing them off is going to do any any favors. No, and be- before we move away from that underdog chat, I think it's worth actually mentioning that because the, I'm sorry, you can't get away with that. No. Break Who, that me? down. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the name pulling me up here. See that I've heard that several times now. Like people making excuses about how I but you know Ryan Kent prefers being the underdog. Oh, don't we all? Because there's no pressure on an underdog. Well, yes, I sorry that that's an incredibly cowardly way to be talking for a player at a club like Rangers, formerly of Liverpool as well. Yeah, aye, exactly. You don't get to be an underdog unless you're playing Celtic. That's a great so- point. I'm sorry, yeah. you, you just don't. You can't say you prefer it because. Aye, but obviously, all the pressure is on the favourite rather than the underdog. You have to deliver the victory. Whereas if you're under a, an underdog, nobody expects you to win. That's a ridiculous mindset to be having <laughs> as a Rangers player. And I just wanted to flag that up because it's been too easily brushed over. You're right. It's a, aye, you're right, and that is a terrific. That is a, a terrific point. You don't. You, you don't get to be. You, 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 First one of twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't get to be an underdog. But yeah. is it true, Melly, that Rangers might see themselves as underdog in this game? Thirteen points behind. You know. They probably they're probably think we only need to turn up for one or two more games this season, and and they'll they'll have their eye on this game. And you know, Melly, will Rangers look at this and go, "We are thirteen points behind. We've got a lot to prove. This is an opportunity for us to be the underdog." Or will they crumble like they they do? Not my words, the words of James Tavernier in his own program notes, <laughs> um, where he says, "When people get in at their faces and don't let them play, they don't like it very much." I think they will go in to this as underdogs, and rightly so, because they are far behind Celtic in the league. Yeah. Celtic have looked absolutely sensational since the January break. Rangers have been consistently pissed since then. They're so bad right now, so they're scraping by every single game. Is it four wins and eight, and two of them are in, against Braga? Yeah, and uh, the Braga ones, I don't know. They should probably liquidate as well after oh, getting beat by Rangers. That's bizarre. Sorry to interrupt and derail you a bit, Melly, but it's a bizarre result because Rangers are the only team to have beaten Braga since the 18th of December. Nobody else has beaten Braga apart from it. It's such a bizarre 
It's right. like us in Lazio, except uh, yeah, we've yeah. been good domestically <laughs> yeah, as well. But that's what uh, I've said it before. My whole time supporting Celtic, they've been an attack team. My whole time that the Huns, both incarnations, they just defensive staunch football. And Rangers, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers, will go into this game probably happy to be underdogs. But every single Hun sitting in that stadium will not treat them as underdogs. They no. will be, as you were talking about the other night, so entitled, thinking we deserve to win this, we can get back in this. 55 is coming. <laughs> or the usual guff from them. And I hope they absolutely crumble and they have to watch another party at Ibrox. We're going to do a dedicated preview on the Patreon, yes. a dedicated podcast for this match. But this is where we cover it. This is the flagship. There's been a lot of talk about Celtic formation, Stephen. People want 3 5 2. That's that kind of that was a flash in the pan that came into favour really quickly, really hot, and all of a sudden people are sort of doubting it a wee bit. Like top knots. I, I like top <laughs> knots. Aye, <laughs> a lot of talk now about the four two three one. How do you want to see Celtic line up? Now, I suppose it depends who's available. Now, ideally, the ge- the game against St Mirren is a weird one because. There's a, a big gap for the first time this season. Yep. There's, a, there's a, a reasonable rest in between th- these games. So there wasn't necessarily a, a huge need to leave players out. But ideally against St Mirren, I may, maybe would have made a couple of changes just to get players a wee bit more fresh or whatever. Mental, absolutely now, mental. Just send them to Dubai this week. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still don't think... I mean, he was fine to, to the point where we didn't mention it. He was actually showboating towards the end, but I still don't think Scott Brown's quite 100% fit. I think he's gradually getting back up to full fitness and then to the point where he get booked for no reason because yeah, he back I But he get booked for doing a back heel. But I thought that game might have been one for sorrow. <laughs> Another great reference for the kids there. It's not even one of Steps' most famous songs. <laughs> but I, I maybe would have... Not rested. It doesn't really matter now because we're going to have the extended break. Well, as much as an extended break is six or seven days as um, in this day and age. Eight days? Oh, what am I talking Unbelievable. about? Unbelievable. That, 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 I think the break will really do us good. I think it's going yeah. to really factor into it. Our squad depth is much better than Rangers. They're scrambling together, trying to pull together whoever will play for them. It looks like... Yeah. Um, Mr Morelos doesn't really fancy it anymore probably because he's been bullied so ruddy bloody much Um, (laughs) so they're going to have a really tough game against Leverkusen midweek and then it's up against us Rangers season could be over in 10 days yeah they could be out of Europe and out of the league yeah but but they should that's glorious not 10 days less than 10 days they should be right up for this as much as we're talking about how they don't get to be underdogs they don't get to approach games like underdogs Certainly not against you know, Ross County and all that. I mean, like, it's fine if they, they consider themselves slight underdogs against Celtic right? that, because that's that's okay historically. They are rivals as much as it's not really the case much these days. But they also don't get to you know, switch off because they're 13 points behind in the league. I was listening to Totally Football today and they talked about the Manchester derby and they posited that Man City, because they're so far behind in the league, they maybe didn't try against Man United. But the, the fact is, the reason these players have got to the position they're in is because they have a an extraordinary competitive element to them. Yeah. And it should be no different for Rangers players. They should want to win this game, regardless of how far away they are in the league, regardless of whether the season's over or if they get pumped off Leverkusen or not. They should want to win this game. And com- they're coming out with the pitch that Brian Kent and James Tavernier uh, are is shameful, quite frankly, Aye. ahead of this game. But that, that's by the by. Um, Do you know what else is shameful? We forgot to mention it. 
those players going out there and underperforming after the fans gave Mr. Gerrard <laughs> applause. <laughs> Come on. Um, who do you think we're going to set up, Melly? 352? Oh, that's right. That's what I was asking <laughs> yeah. before I started talking. I'm just going, to, <laughs> just going to grab this off you and pass it to Melly to get us back on track. Uh, preferably, I would go 4231, but I think because we're playing the 352 so often, it's worked in every away game. It was only Livingston we dropped points in. Griffith's getting the hat-trick. I don't think you can drop him after that. No. Never lost a game at Ibrook. He was born, to, born to score at Ibrook. Yeah. See, to be honest with you, save that for after. <laughs> See if you go to Ibrox and you score, and then you say, what's the problem? I was born to score at Ibrox. That that sounds brilliant. See if you do it beforehand and don't score. Mm. <laughs> it's just with the 3-5-2, I think it only works to get Griffiths and Edward in the team. I don't think it really helps the rest of our better players because I think Forrest and Frimholm should both be in the team. I think Elianusi should be in the team. But with the way we're playing right now, how terrified Rangers are going to be of going up against that strike partnership, I think we should go 3-5-2 and just go for, go for them because they're there for the taking. I think it's it's four two three one for me. Oh, um, you drop Griff? I think Griffiths has to be a team player on this one. I think Griffiths has to be a team player in this one. Oh, um, controversial. I just think that I, I'm torn. I am torn because I think Rangers front three, but I just think Morelos doesn't fancy it anymore. Basically, I'm hedging my bets on the fact that I don't think Morelos fancies it anymore. Still one goal this year, and, and it was the fourth in a four-one win over Hamonakis. Camberry and Neil Lennon famously don't see eye to eye, so that guy might have a point to prove. But I think he's one just stick him in Julian's pocket. You know, he's a, he's far too lightweight. He's not a Lyndon Dykes. You don't worry about it. Have you seen his eyebrows? <laughs> you, you don't worry about the physical presence. No. So, yeah, I'm not worried about uh, Florian. Well, he scored against us this year, but... Oh, so he is. That's, that's fine. That, that was that was for Hibs. They're a much better team than Rangers. <laughs> um, so I'm torn, but I would probably go to the 4 2 3 one. I feel that's a bit, that's a bit safer. Um, I don't, I'm still not convinced of our back line the three at the back I'm still not convinced the players have fully worked that out yet yeah with reason I think it has been kind of shonky at times mm. I think as we kind of talked about in the Friday phone and it's again I think it probably could work with tweaks maybe with some different personnel and then I think we need a left sided centre half someone who's a bit more comfortable than I am and we need more comfortable wing backs but um, I think I'm more in Melly's camp I think I need to find a way to fit Griffiths into the team, especially in the form he's in and with the way he's talking about going into the game. I think you need to find a way to get him in. Concerns over the back three aside, I think Griffiths needs to play. I I think, I mean, I'd prefer to go 4-2-3-1. I just think he'll go with the 3-5-2. But if you're saying to me we could have Forrest, Edward and Elianusi going up against this Rangers back line, that gets me going. (laughs) But at the same time, I can see Griff's getting getting in there. He's got the hat-trick last week. He's playing well up there with Edward. But Lenny's going to do a curveball. He's going to do a mm-hmm. curveball. How does El Hamid in at right-back 4-2-3-1 sound to you? El Hamid, Julian, Ayer and probably Hayes. Taylor because I don't think he'd want to go from Pong and Taylor because of the height thing. We can go into it in a lot more detail when we record the Patreon dedicated preview for this game. I don't think there's any doubt this match is a big match don't think it's our biggest game of the season. I think we could afford to go here and draw. Yeah. Um, I think Rangers obviously need to win it. If we win the game, it's a huge step forward to winning the league. In terms of importance, Stephen, how much importance do you put in this game? In terms of the, the league position, 
Probably on the paper, not a huge amount. I think Celtic Never. have got a good, no, a, a good cushion. I'm just talking like purely on the on, yeah, the, on the mathematics yeah, of on it. The mathematics right. of it. But in terms of psychologically and you know, the Rangers and Celtic importance to deal with that psychological blow at this stage of the season, I think would be absolutely devastating to them. To even even a draw, I think would would yeah, completely. I mean, that's what I mean. I, yeah. I think a draw would. I'm no, you know, I take a draw. Yeah. Right now, I take a draw. Obviously, I want to win the game, Melly. I would take a draw. Um, but I think it's a game that if Rangers want to salvage it, they're going to have to come at us. Yeah, it's uh, one for Celtic where it's not a difficult one, but Celtic are huge favourites. Rangers are going to end up probably want to be underdogs, but Celtic can really finish them off here. And at times in the past, we haven't done that. Remember on Lennon, we could have went and won the league at Ibrox mm. and we were 3-0 down and all mm. that. So I want to go here and dominate them, show that those two games were just... Well, just flukes. That I, I know, but mate, I just don't see that happen. I just well, I, I know, they're not on form. We are on form. We should go there and beat they them. Weren't, but so, I don't think they were on form going into the cup final, were they? They were in pretty poor form, if I remember correctly, going into that game. And they just they just just turned up. They just turned up against us. I think they think this Rangers team strikes me as I I, I suspect these are the only games they care about. I'm not saying they're going to turn up and run over us, but what I'm saying is if you're expecting the same team that struggled against Hamilton, struggled against Hearts, struggled against whoever in the last couple of weeks, I, I, I don't see that. I think the Rangers were going to get as a team that came back against Braga and beat Braga away. I think that's what's going to roll up. A lot of times in these games, it's the team that wants it or needs it more. Now, Celtic, if they want it more, will win because we've got the better players, we've got the better players on form. So as long as we do that, we should win. Going into this game, if the roles were reversed, you'd be expecting your team to absolutely annihilate your, annihilate your rivals. They've barely won a game this year. We should be going into this and beating them comfortably. I know it doesn't work like that, but in times in the past, how many times have Celtic just sporadically turned up in these games? No, in true, day? true, true. I'm only going in past form. Are you saying the form book comes in the window? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the right. form book Stays gets thrown yeah. right in the window. <laughs> uh, speaking of form, Celtic have won four of the last five, drawn one. Rangers have won two of the last five, um, two losses and one draw. I think mm. a lot of uh, talk about Rangers' demise is somewhat overblown. They've still got more points at this stage than they did last season. Um Steven Gerrard's record is nowhere near as bad yet as the likes of Kashinia and, well, and Warburton and these guys. It's not there. People have made mention of that, of the fact that Steven Gerrard has you know, ostensibly improved Rangers. Yeah. That's fine, but the, but the improvement comes within a context of the fact that they're still miles off it. You can improve, but not not enough. It's funny, I was listening to someone on the way in here on the on Sports Sound. I don't know who it was. It was just on the car in the background. And he says, if you look at Rangers... They've improved. They're a point better than last season, and then you can take into consideration the games they've just lost. You know they could be a lot better. And I'm like, well, that's what that's what a league is, mate. You can't say <laughs> you can't say forget the games they've lost and pretend they won them because they could be they could be better off. Yeah. And on that, we shall wrap up. Uh, you'll hear more from us on Patreon this week as we take a deeper dive into the upcoming Glasgow derby. And on Sunday, we will, of course, have the return of the match companion because oh. we kind of get tickets for, uh, <laughs> no. for Ibrooks. Might be a lot more match companions when they start playing these games behind closed doors, <laughs> just like in France and Italy. Um, and you can find all that on patreon.com slash 20minutetims. Um, and on that, wash your hands. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.